Last week I shared a message that I titled Seen and Heard. And we talked about how we don't go unnoticed by our Heavenly Father despite feeling like we're lost in a crowd at times. Like we need to go through some efforts to get attention or rely on the efforts of others to bring us before the Lord. And we looked at several examples of Scripture and I feel like we could identify with with some of the accounts we read. And as a part of this, and as last week's scripture, remember, we looked at Mark 2, 1 through 4, which tells the story of a paralyzed man whose friends were desperate to bring him to Jesus. And let me share it with you again now. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that, that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get, to, to get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above and they dug through it and then they lowered the man who was lying on the mat in front of them. And we marveled at the faith of these men to go through such lengths to accomplish their tasks. And we want Jesus to help us do what we cannot to heal. And that's what they were thinking. And for the man being delivered by his friends, he was relying on them to do something that he could not. He said, just get me there. And I've titled this morning's message, The Limits of DIY, right? The Limits of of Do-It-Yourself. Perhaps a more appropriate name should serve as a reminder. There are limits to what we can do ourselves, And it's not our fault. We've all seen the commercials from Home Depot with their tantalizing slogan, where doers get more done, right? And you go in there and you're just inspired. Deep in our subconscious, we reply, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. And perhaps a little bit of pride sneaks in and says, I don't need help. I just need the right tool, Google, and maybe a a YouTube video or two. Can I get an amen? Yeah, yeah. And I would ask if I could get a witness, but then I realized all the spouses would go, yeah, they tried that. So many of our projects start really simple, don't they? Basic, yes. I can already see you. I've got a testimony ready, don't you? (laughs) We know that there are categories to the things that we want to accomplish. Those we can and we should do. And those that we need the right tools. Those that require help. And those that we should leave to an expert. And in our modern age, the lure of self-sufficiency and independence and the the do-it-yourself mentality has become increasingly prevalent. However, as we open the Bible, we will discover the profound wisdom and recognizing the limits of our abilities and understanding that we were never created or meant to control all the aspects of our lives. Like inexperienced do-it-yourselfers lacking the necessary education, experience, and tools, we often find ourselves causing harm when we try to take control into our own hands. Hang in there, my friends. This is going to be a positive message, I promise. The world constantly tells us to take charge, to make decisions, and be in control And we often forget the fundamental truth that God is the ultimate sovereign ruler over all. The desire for control has its roots all the way back in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve were tempted, they wanted to be like God, determining good and evil for themselves, knowing everything. And this pursuit of autonomy and control severed their perfect relationship with God, and it introduced sin and ultimately chaos into the world. Proverbs remind us that while we a plan to live our lives meticulously, it's ultimately God who establishes our steps. The illusion of control arises when we forget that our plans are subject to his will. Surrendering our plans to God allows his perfect will to unfold, or as they say in Proverbs 16, 9, in their hearts, humans plan their course, 
but the Lord establishes their steps. Even in times of adversity, we must remember that God's sovereign plan is at work. His perspective surpasses our limited understanding, and his plans are designed for our ultimate good. Trusting in his sovereignty, even in difficult circumstances, brings peace that transcends our understanding and comprehension. In, in Jeremiah 29, 11, that's one we like to rely on, and it feels good. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And we rely heavily on this. But do we rely on that when we try to do things that aren't ours to do or control instead of turning them over and surrendering or asking God for his help? That's when we say, God, I believe that you have plans for me. Even Jesus himself had to relinquish control. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he faced the ultimate test of surrender. He exemplified humility, submitting to his Father's will, even when faced with immense suffering. Jesus' surrender paved the way for our salvation and emphasized the importance of yielding to God's plan. Not my will, but yours be done. So the illusion of control can lead us astray. It can give us a false confidence and, and a false hope. It distances us from God's perfect will. So let's humbly surrender our plans, desires, and fears to the one who holds all things in his hands. The world is filled with uncertainties and constant changes. Our, our foundation rests on the unchanging nation, nature of Almighty God. God's ways are beyond our understanding, and embracing his control means and, and begins with acknowledging the vast difference between our perspective and his wisdom. Surrendering to his sovereignty means trusting that his plans, though sometimes mysterious, are always perfect. In Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, Isaiah acknowledged God's sovereignty, and this is something we should echo. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my, your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. This isn't a, a God saying, you know, telling us how dumb we are. He's saying, I know this stuff. And, and, and that's for me to know, believe and trust in me. And trusting in God's control involves a deep faith in his goodness, even in the midst of trials and challenges. And we can be assured in these times that God is working all things for ultimate good. Embracing his control means understanding that every circumstance is an opportunity for his redemptive power to shine through. Every struggle when we get delivered is one more hallelujah and amen for us. Romans 8, 28, another one we'd like to hold on to. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. God has a specific purpose and plan for each one of us. Embracing his control means seeking his will for our lives and, and aligning ourselves with his unique purpose that he has ordained for us. When we surrender to his plan, we find true fulfillment and a future filled with hope. And so we hold dear to those words from Jeremiah 29, 11. Embracing God's control requires a bit of obedience. This is, we saying trust and obey. Trusting the Lord with all our hearts as advised in Proverbs 3, 5, 6 means surrendering our desires and our plans and understanding to him. In doing so, we allow God to guide our steps and make our paths straight according to his purpose. God's control is, is not 
a relinquishing of power, but a stepping into the abundant life he has designed for us. As we trust in his sovereignty, his, his goodness, and his unique purpose for our lives, we find true fulfillment and true purpose. But as many of us have discovered, there are some pitfalls to, to a DIY mentality. It's crucial to examine the potential dangers of relying on our own strength and understanding in times when it's not enough for what we need to Let's turn to the word of God to understand the wisdom of trusting God rather than embracing our DIY pride. This, this mentality often stems from pride, the belief that we can navigate life on our own terms without needing God's input or help. However, Proverbs 6, 18, 16, 18 gives us this wisdom. It says, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. To wonder where that sign was in the plumbing aisle last weekend at Home Depot, and it said, (laughs) stop, ask, get help. But the antidote of a DIY uh, mentality is found in wholeheartedly committing our ways to the Lord. Trusting in him involves acknowledging his sovereignty, seeking his guidance and surrender. And as we embrace God's design and plan for lives, we find, again, fulfillment and protection from the pitfalls of self-reliance, right? Sometimes the, the, the expert is there to give us guidance to not mess it up worse or to not hurt ourselves or damage something. So God provides protection from ourselves by saying, I've got this. Psalm 37, 5 promises says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. As we learn from the story of Adam and Eve, we are, we are not the first to struggle with the impulse to do this on our own. But, but there are numerous other examples of faithful people partnering with God to accomplish the work that needed to be done. Through the scriptures, we encounter inspiring examples of individuals who, confronted with the limitations of their own abilities, turned to God in humble submission. Noah, Noah. He was entrusted with the monumental task of building the ark, obediently following God's instructions. And Moses was equipped with divine guidance, And he led the Israels out of bondage. And Peter, with an extraordinary display of faith, walked on water with Jesus' guidance. Each of these faithful servants recognized their limitations and embraced God's control over their circumstances. It wasn't just, it can't be done. They were saying, I can't do it myself. And their unwavering trust in God serves as timeless lessons for us to, to emulate. When God gives us an instruction or a calling or or whatever it may be, or or a request for trust, that we trust in him. And as we reflect on the truth of God's ultimate control, we must consider our response. Psalm 46.10 lovingly beckons, Be still. Know that I am God. I will be exalted above the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. We often read that first part, Be still and know that I am God. Be still might be a stillness in our soul, right? have peace and confidence. It might be still like just stop trying to do it on your own. Be still and trust me. This verse can urge us to pause and acknowledge God's sovereignty and and find peace in his presence. When we release our grip on the illusion of control and, and allow God to work through us, we experience his transformative power. It's as if he says, just let me do it. You know what? You were like, sometimes we just... 
God just wants us to ask for his help. And when we relinquish our desires for control, we open ourselves to the immense depth of God's love and grace. And we find this enduring peace, unshakable joy and unwavering purpose as we accomplish things that that we thought were impossible. Once a Christian accepts that God should be in control, it leads to a a shift in their perspective and, and in their lifestyle. We can adjust our goals. How can a little church do big ministry? We can't. You know, we can't, we're too small to, to compete with the mega churches and the, the million dollar budgets and all that. But, but is it possible that God just wants us to say, Holy Spirit, will you work with us and make a difference at least here? Absolutely possible. When we do things like that, it, it looks different, it feels different. And I think there's some key aspects that we, we see when we surrender our, our lives to, to God and, and our control to him, right? We do this through, through submission and obedience. We acknowledge God's sovereignty and, and we submit to his will and we, we obey his commandments, all of them. We, we line our actions and decisions with the teaching of the Bible. And when we do that, it says, I trust in you, God, in your wisdom. I trust in your authority. We can do this through prayer. A surrendered heart is by, by consistent prayer and, and communication. And, and through prayer, Christians seek wisdom and guidance. And, and we recognize our dependency. We ask God for things. We share things with him. And we trust in him. We can do this through trusting God's timing. It means sometimes we need to sit and be still. Sometimes we need to sit and wait but be ready. And sometimes it means there's a time to go. We trust in God's timing for what he's called us to do. We let go of anxiety and worry. This is tough. This is tough. And I think this isn't something that we go and try to do. I am going to not worry. I think what we need to do is say, I'm going to trust God and let the worry go away. I think we focus too much on the worry. I think that's where Satan can get in there and go, see, see, and now it's a faith issue. But it's not. When you say, God, I trust you, and then all of a sudden you notice, hmm, haven't been worried about that for a minute. That, that is how God wants us to live. We live it through gratitude and contentment. We're, we're happy for the things we have, however much or little it seems, and we're thankful for that. We find peace in what we have and gratitude for everything we've been given, including every opportunity. We serve others selflessly. We surrender to God's control, and, and that means we don't try to hang on to, to our things like our time and our stuff because we want to share that joy and that generosity with others. And we seek God's kingdom first. Lord, your will be done. And then those other things sometimes just get taken care of by themselves. And it's not magic. It's, it's God working in the world. And we get this continuous spiritual growth. As our faith is stretched and our faith is met and we have to extend our faith a little bit more and God continues to meet us and fulfill us and forgive our sin and show as an example in our life of his faithfulness to us. We're good stewards of our resources. When we give up control, then we, we know that there are things that are finite. And we say, God, help us to, to treat them with respect, whether it's creation itself or our time or our talents or our body or our health or our energy. We manage our possessions with integrity and generosity and we recognize that truly everything 
is from God and belongs to Him. And we are stewards of that in this world. We embrace God's will for, for the decisions we make. God, I really want this job, but if you don't want me to have it, make it obvious. Take it away from me. God, I really want to do this thing, buy this thing, go this place. But your will be done. Sometimes that opens it up to challenges and, and moving us in completely different directions from where we thought or where we wanted to be. But God has never let anyone down by being obedient to him. So in essence, as we kind of look at some of these almost fruits of, of obedience and surrender, our Christian's response to accepting God should be in control. It's, it's holistic. It's transformative. And it's not just marked by obedience and trust and humility and deepening relationship. It's, 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 the, side, it's, the, it's, it's the joy of it. It's a journey of continuous surrender and alignment with God's perfect plan. And, and he establishes our steps. The ground that he wants us to walk on rises to meet our steps and our paths are straightened. You know, it's hard for, for us to hear this and, and realize and appreciate sometimes, but we were never created to shoulder the burden of absolute control over anything. Instead, our creator intended us to find our strength and purpose and fulfillment and, and surrendering to his authority. To, to do what we can is as far as it's up to us, as far as relationships and our things and our time and our energy. But like inexperienced do-it-yourselfers, we who lack essential knowledge and experience and tools, we often find ourselves sometimes causing a little collateral damage when we try to do some of these things. When he says, just leave it to me and do your part. Friends, this do-it-yourself mentality may offer temporary satisfaction, right? We, we get excited. I did it myself, a job well done, right? But it can never replace the enduring peace that stems from surrendering to God's control. The ministries that are successful, that we've been a part of the events, the, the beautiful building, the safe place we have to gather, all that stuff. It's a credit to the people who've come and gathered here and contributed here. But thank you, God, for guiding us in those decisions and those lives along the way. Let's remember the wisdom for, of Scripture. Let's recognize there are some limitations. But let's also know that that's where God starts his best work. By relinquishing the futile quest for control, we open ourselves to this transformative power of God's love and grace. And my prayer is that each one of us find comfort in that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, like little kids, we want to do it ourselves. Look what we did. Look what we did. Or sometimes as ambitious DIYers, we say, look what I'm going to do. Lord, there are things that we are absolutely responsible for. Lord, hold us accountable for sharing the gospel, sharing the good news, for having an answer for the reason for the hope we have, for showing love, care, and compassion for others, for extending grace. But Lord, even sometimes those require us to have tools and a strength that we cannot find in ourselves. So we rely on you through the Holy Spirit to guide those conversations, to open those opportunities. And Lord, as we find success, may we point them to you. Look what I did with the help of God. And where we struggle, may we rely on you even further. Look what I did, but look how much help I needed. Holy Spirit, will you join me in this endeavor? It's amazing what we accomplish. 
Lord, the church is, is your ministry still at work in the world. Let us remember the, the power and the responsibility of this. And just as the early church's gathering did hundreds, thousands of years ago, may we continue to meet, to encourage each other, to worship, to pray, to learn, and to invite you into this ministry with us. So it is through this joint effort that we can say, look what has been done in the world. Praise God for the lives and souls saved. Lord, we invite you in our lives this week. Would you help us to ask for the help we need? Would you help us to learn the, the lessons we need to learn? And most importantly, would you help us accomplish what you need us to accomplish? In your son's name we pray. Amen.